Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Ariana Bravo and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, where do we even start? Baku certainly delivered today with a race full of drama and heartbreak and ultimately ending with a very unexpected podium. Sergio Perez has claimed his first Red Bull victory, followed by Sebastian Vettel with his first Aston Martin podium and Pierre Gasly taking P3 on a day where neither of the championship contenders scored any points. We saw two big accidents today, causing an end to the races of Lance Stroll and Max Verstappen, both incidents strikingly similar as they suffered from left rear tyre failures, giving rise to questions about those Pirelli tyres. The race ended up being incredibly manic, and I think it's safe to say that none of us could have predicted how today played out. And I'm joined by Jonathan Noble, Motorsport.com's F1 editor, and Jess McFadden, Director of Digital Strategy for Motorsport Network. Thank you guys for joining me. Now, before we get into the race recap, let's kick straight off with your ratings. Jess? Yeah, it's always it's always hard to go straight into a rating with a race like this because there's so much to unpick. And when we get insane events happening, you kind of then don't want to just go based on the sensationalism of big crashes and things you kind of want to go a little bit more and go well actually how good was this was this race as a race um and there was a lot of talk right at the beginning about the fact that when Hamilton's got the lead over Leclerc that it was going to be really boring and kind of like a, a management set procession to the to the line but that's not all we got so there was a lot going on um, and obviously we did have the instance that we had. So I'm actually, I think I'm going to, I'm going to give it an 8.5 Ooh. out of 10. Okay. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was, I think it was good, but I think without, if without the tyre 
complications. It could have been a little bit more of a straightforward race, even though, the, you know, the first initial pit stops were interesting and we had lots of things going on and um, it kind of, it was starting to settle mm. until we had Lance Stroll's blowout. And then it all, it all changed. It totally changed. But I guess that's the nature of Baku. Like we know this stuff can happen at Baku. Um but until that point, it was kind of going into a bit of a lull for me. And then it all it all kicked off. So I wanted to kind of like, I could come out and just go like 10 because I'm still living on a high right now of everything that's happened. But I think having gone away and had a bit more of a think about it, I'm going to give it a solid 8.5. That's still strong. That's very strong. John, are you on the same wavelength here? I think the, the difficulty of giving ratings like this is you have a sensational race and then the next race is better. So then you've got to give that one more point and then you end up giving <laughs> five races down the road. You have to give 13 points out of 10 for some. So you've got to think you'll be quite High quite hopes careful. for the season. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to have to give 13 out of 10 to some races. Um, <laughs> so you have to be quite careful in awarding high points. Um, I think without the, without the Verstappen tyre blowout and without the Lewis incident, it would have been a much less spectacular race. Um, but it was... It was good. Quite rarely do you get an opening phase to a race where um, no one's able to break away, basically. So you had that. You had the unpredictability of the undercut for the overcut, the stroll incident, then obviously the kind of the red flag and the drama of that. Um, so it's good. But there was equally a phase where it looked like it was going to be a straightforward Red Bull 1-2 with Lewis third, um, Vettel fourth and Gasly fifth. So it wasn't... It wasn't building up to a crescendo like we had in Bahrain, for example, where the race was coming alive and really uncertain and could go either way. And if you re-ran it, you wouldn't be sure what would happen. So um, I'm not sure I'll give it 8.5, but it's more than it's more than a 7. Are we, do we do it in 0.5s? You do can we have do it in 0.5s. Deli- yeah, no, well, exactly. yeah. so I feel do. like you should be allowed yeah, to. Maybe, maybe I'll give it 7.5 just because if... If it had been a closer battle potentially between for the leaders, say Perez was all over Max or Lewis, they, they were fighting more for the win, then I think you'd elevate it into the, the layer of eights. So I'm going 7.5. I am quite easily pleased with Formula 1 races though, because even races like Monaco I quite enjoyed. So I know lots of people absolutely hated it. <laughs> So my my bar is quite quite low. So you're trying to rein yourself back in. <laughs> your bar your bar is quite low, and yet you only gave it a seven point five. Yeah, well, it's it's a low bar, and I'm quite a, quite a hard taskmaster. Yeah. So. <laughs> what about you, Ariana? What did you give it? Right. So I'm I'm gonna go in the middle of you two, and I'm gonna say an eight because I agree that I think that. The drama of it definitely elevated it and it allowed the race to unravel the way it did. But had it not been for those big instants, I think we wouldn't have actually seen much more, as you guys have said. So I'm going to go in the middle for an eight, but I do think it was super exciting. Really, really exciting. Um, and I could not have predicted it unraveling like that at all, which I love from a race and I love Baku. So yeah, definitely a little bit biased there. But for anyone who may have missed the race or might just want to relive the manic showing, how exactly did it go down? Well, off the line, Charles Leclerc held on to the lead, but on lap three, Lewis Hamilton passed the Ferrari to take the lead. And before long, both Red Bulls also made their way past Leclerc, who dropped back to fourth. Hamilton was the first of the three to pit on lap 13, held up briefly as Pierre Gasly was let past. Meanwhile, Verstappen put in a strong in-lap and the Red Bulls were able to take advantage of Hamilton's delay, meaning Verstappen rejoined from his pit stop four seconds ahead of Hamilton. 
Perez pit the following lap and also managed to come out the pits ahead of Hamilton. Meanwhile, after starting P11, Vettel was also making up places and after his pit stop on lap 18, he came out behind Leclerc in P7. On lap 31, disaster struck when Lance Stroll, who had been on a long stint on the hard tyres, experienced a left rear tyre failure, crashing into the wall on the main straight and bringing out the safety car and a closed pit lane. After the safety car restart, Vettel continued on top form, overtaking both Gasly and the clerk, making it up to fourth. Another shock accident on lap 47 as race leader Verstappen appeared to suffer a very similar issue to Stroll with his left rear tyre failing and in a gutting turn of events for him, his race came to an end. This brought out a red flag with only three laps remaining. When the race restarted, it was a standing start on lap 50 with Perez and Hamilton on the front row. Hamilton made the better getaway but experienced brake issues that saw him going straight off into the runoff area and ultimately he came home P15. Three places behind teammate Valtteri Bottas, who had a hugely disappointing day and really was nowhere to be seen. But the winners of the day, Sergio Perez claiming a well-deserved victory, Sebastian Vettel, driver of the day, providing a reason to celebrate at Aston Martin, and Pierre Gasly continuing his strong weekend to bag another podium. Lando Norris managed to come home P5 ahead of Fernando Alonso and Yuki Tsunoda, Carlos sides across the line in P8 with Daniel Ricciardo and Kimi Raikkonen completing the top 10. Even when I'm recapping it now, I still can't really believe how it all unfolded. Now, before we get to our podium, I think first of all, we need to discuss the tyres because those tyres really triggered so much of today's madness. We saw the left rears of both Lance Stroll and Max Verstappen failing, causing big accidents that could have been a lot worse, actually. Now, of course, the tyres are going to be taken away, analysed, and they will determine whether it's a structural issue caused by debris or some other issue. But John, from what we've seen and heard and know so far, what is your take on it? I think the fact that um, they found a cut on one of Lewis Hamilton's tyres in that red flag period tends to suggest, and I think a lot of it points to it to, to them being, um, do actually being failures caused by debris. I know Max Verstappen told the Dutch media after the race that, you know, we'll have a conversation with Pirelli and um, they'll just say, blame it as debris yet again, like it was at Imola last year when he went off. Um, and there's not much he can do. I've just noticed just now that we've um, just done a story. Pirelli has come out tonight and said it looks like debris. And um, Max Verstappen has just responded to our story, Twitter tweet and just said, they always say that. So, um, but I think there's two issues at stake here. I mean, there can be legitimate debris and incidents, and it is a street circuit. Um, things blow onto the blow onto the track. You know, could have been picked up earlier in the race with the Lance Stroll incident. There was a tree branch on the track at one point, which um, triggered the the move between kind of delayed Charles a little bit, which then allowed Lewis to tag onto his back. So these things can happen. But equally, the tyres were changed this year. There's quite a big move by Pirelli to to change the tyres because they were being put under so much force that um, when there was debris, because debris does occur on racetracks, they shouldn't have these failures and these are the exact reasons why the tyres were changed. So I think the fact that we've had two failures, potentially more, um, does raise some question marks about, you know, maybe did did Pirelli make a mistake in bringing softer tyres here? Should they have bought more durable rubber? Um, are there still question marks over the, the forces or... Um, you know, should pressures have been higher here? Um, so still, I think there's still a lot of uncertainty, even if even if Pirelli come here and conclusively say 
these um, failures were caused by debris, we believe it was of a carbon fibre or a kerb or something like that. I think there needs to be a bit more kind of response and understanding from this. Yeah, definitely. But on the other side of things, obviously Pirelli have come out and said that they do think it's due to debris. But if it was determined to be a structural issue in the tyres and the compounds, what would the next steps then be to ensure that we wouldn't have repeats of what we've seen today? What would Pirelli then then have to do? What normally would happen, either you'd raise the raise the tyre pressures because t- teams, um, you know, when you if you um, have a um, if you bicycle or something and you pump your tyres up on your road bike, you, you're pushing up to 120 psi and stuff. It's just phenomenal. And in a road car, you'll be about 35 psi. And F1s, you know, well down in the 20s, that um, really really low pressures because it, that allows the maximum grip. So there's always this battle between. Um, the teams wanting the pressures to be as low as possible, which obviously puts the tyres under huge structural problems because they're moving around much, and probably wanting to wanting to push the pressures up. So in in the short term, it could just result in more t- more tyre pressure being put in there by Pirelli, um, or you ch- change the choice of compound, or um, you get to a situation where Pirelli can impose uh, a maximum stint length. I think so. If they if Pirelli felt, for example. You know, Silverson's always a really, really big punisher on the tyres. That if there were concerns that this could manifest itself in problems at Silverstone, then you, I think I think I'd have to double check the regulations. But I'm pretty sure um, there is a, there is an allowance that means they can limit um, a maximum stint length. And I think one of the biggest worries for both, well, everybody involved, the teams, the FIA, and Pirelli, was that the the teams got no warning from the telemetry that there was going to be a tyre failure. And that's obviously a massive, massive concern for everyone involved because they do have huge amounts of telemetry on the tyres and normally they would get some kind of warning that something was going to happen and, and they didn't. So I think, you know, they're going to be looking, they're going to be looking into that as well because you know, that's that's terrifying, and especially at where both tyres failed. It was incredibly scary. It's the highest speed part of the entire circuit um, you've got concrete walls either side. It could have been, you know, more catastrophic than we saw even today. Um, obviously, both drivers walked away a bit shaken and obviously Max in, in, extremely upset. But um, I think that that is a bit of a, a concern for everyone involved. So not only just kind of what do we do with the tyres, but why was there no why was there no warning? Thank goodness that neither Lance nor Max were injured because... They were big accents, and as you said, they could have been much worse. But it was a gutting end to their races. And of course, especially for Max, who was leading the race, and he now loses the race win and the points that come along with it. Now, the points loss may be slightly less painful, given that Lewis has not scored any either. But it's still really tough, nonetheless. I mean, obviously, they're racers. They still want to get the wins under their belt. So we saw how annoyed he was when it initially all happened and he got out, he kicked the the tyre. Um, it's going to be difficult to sort of pick yourself back up after losing a win like that that wasn't really your fault. But that's what he's going to have to do, isn't it, Jess? He will be probably a bit more buoyant considering where Lewis finished. Uh, the championship is kind of intact. There's not going to be one of those kind of uh, Lewis Hamilton, Malaysia 2016 scenarios where one DNF is going to kind of make or break the championship. So in that in that sense, he's he's lucky. Um, so I'm sure they're going to chalk it almost down to a 
a nil nil you know it's it's like nobody nobody's really conceded um in in this scenario so in in that sense championships still alive and i'm sure he's going to come out uh as as strong as he ever would do going into france but the the, the pain will be that obviously it's great that checo has the win for red bull because for the constructors at least you've got you know maximum points from the scenario and you've got mercedes completely out of the points which which on that side where all the money comes from is brilliant for Red Bull. Um, but, you know, he's he Max doesn't like to lose. None of the drivers like to lose. Um, and I think it's kind of going to probably be a bit sore, a bit painful tonight. Probably literally as well, because that was quite some uh, some smack into the wall that he received. But I think, yeah, it, it, it'll, he'll come out just as he ever would into any of the other races. So I don't think he's going to, this isn't going to knock him back. I think I think the fact that Lewis didn't score probably eas- probably eases the pain an awful lot. I think if Lewis had gone on to win the race and Max had lost those points from that, I think you would feel so feel just super unlucky that you'd seen at Imola when you were on the way to win. Lewis had crashed out of the race and then had the good fortune of the uh, red flag and the the restart that allowed him to come through and get eighteen points. In theory, he he wouldn't have got in normal circumstances. To then have seen a swing like that today would have hurt a tremendous amount. So I don't think Max would have been too upset to see Lewis career down the escape road at Turn 1. And I was just thinking, can you imagine this had been the World Championship finale that we'd come in here with Max just leading Lewis and then it all looked like Max was going to win Championship, then he's out, and then it's all in Lewis's hands to win the Championship uh, and then he makes that mistake. It would have been, uh, it would have gone down as a, probably would have got more than 7.5 as a race because it would have gone down as one of the greatest title <laughs> shakedowns since Brazil 08. But um, there we go. So it's all relative, John, isn't it? Your scoring. <laughs> exactly. See, my points can go up. At the final at the final race of the season, the scores can ratchet up because there's no chance well, that anyone double, will get 13 double, out of 10. Double points for the last race of the season, yeah. <laughs> it definitely would have stung a lot more had Lewis scored. But then on the other side of things, for Lewis, I imagine that the outcome today was a bit of a tough pill to swallow for him because he was on the brink of actually securing P1 had he may been able to make the move stick on Perez. And he'd had such a difficult weekend with that Mercedes. But he's come out since and said that the issue was actually to do with the brake magic. John, can you talk us through what exactly that is, how it came into play today, what what was going on there? Yeah, so Mercedes have this thing called the magic button um, which amazingly Jess and I were talking about last night on our little Instagram um, thing about Mercedes needing this magic button, but I don't think we quite predicted it would play such a significant role. Um, so what it's used for is used to, it basically switches the brake balance all the way forwards. So the drivers use it on a formation lap, um, can then push the brakes on and the brakes get get warmed up and ready for the race start. And also in the brakes being so hot, that heat radiates into the tyres, so you get nice, nice warmed up um, front tyres, um, which is really important for getting that kind of bite and grip into turn one. So the drivers use it on the formation lap, brake balance all the way forwards, then you um, kind of disconnect it all. I'm not sure if it's an actual switch that you switch on and off, or it's just a, a button you press, but um, and then release. But uh, you then disconnect it, or switch it off, whichever whichever way you, around you do it, and then that puts the brake balance back to a normal um, you know, distribution between the front and the rear, and then you're off for the race. So what it appears is that um, somewhere between disconnecting it and Lewis hitting the brakes for turn one, he accidentally um, re-engaged it. So all the brake balance was towards the front, and as soon as he hit the hit the brakes, 
obviously the all the braking force of that car shifts to the front uh the front's locked up and he's off down the escape road so a rare error basically i think lewis was a bit shocked after when he came on the team radio and said did i leave the magic button connected because i thought i had disconnected it so it's quite uh it's not very often uh lewis hamilton makes a mistake that costs an awful lot of points in a race it's a really really rare thing to do and also what's even more amazing is that you know we heard on the team radio about lewis came on the team radio and said this is a marathon not a sprint um we need to think bigger picture and instantly at that moment we have a little chat room that's open during the uh during the window and we see things from lewis about my tires are finished i can't keep going and then there'll be like five consecutive fastest laps <laughs> so we thought this is guaranteed that when lewis says it's a marathon not a sprint he's going to be a flat out attacking into turn one and that's what happened I want to actually move on to Bottas because even though things ended badly for Lewis, he did actually manage to make some really strong progress today and yesterday in qualifying considering how much they were struggling with the Mercedes. He got his car up there and up until that error, he was in a brilliant position and, you know, actually competing for the win. But Bottas had an utterly miserable day today. He started P10 and he actually finished P12. I mean, what is there to even say about how his day went? I always feel slightly cautious whenever anybody wants to talk to me about Bottas. Um, I don't really know what there is to say. It was just, just, he got, he didn't make the moves when he needed to. He, you know, we saw it last time out in Monaco. Lewis Hamilton was struggling. Uh, This time, this weekend, it's been Bottas's turn to struggle Arguably around Monaco, you have a much harder time of making up ground. Around Baku, as we've seen with a lot of the other drivers, including the race winner, you can make up places. But it just seemed that, you know, he got stuck. Was it behind Raikkonen? Was it Raikkonen that got stuck behind? Yeah, who was he stuck behind? Yeah, Raikkonen, Raikkonen got yeah, past was, him. It was a non-event for him. Um, and especially when... Max and Lewis are both out of the points. He didn't bring any points home either. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, unless something really crazy happens moving forward, he's completely out of the championship fight. Um, It's going to be really, really tough for him to pull this back. I don't really have too much to say. I'm sure John's got a a ton more to add or I don't know. Do you? Because it wasn't really much of a race. I I mean, Valtteri said it was actually weird how off the pace he was. Um, I think it's some you know, deep diving now at Mercedes to understand what's happened. Because in theory, because um, Lewis and Valtteri ran different wing settings, so Lewis had gone much lower downforce, which obviously many were struggling for pace in the middle sectors, which then we saw in the race because the Red Bulls were kind of nailing those middle sectors and Lewis couldn't quite tag onto the back of Perez. Um, and... But I do wonder if maybe there's some strange quirk with these tyres or the way the car is. Because when they did this last time in Portimao, when Lewis went lower downforce and Valtteri, in theory, that should have punished the tyres more. But actually it was Valtteri's tyres that went off more. So I wonder if there's some strange kind of quirk or different driving style or different understanding that kind of is shifting. So I think they need to do a deep dive into the differences that these these wing settings made to tyres. And I think we find it, quite hard to kind of appreciate and comprehend just how tricky it is to have the pace when the tyres aren't switched on. If you've been karting and you go out with a really cold, um, you know, straight out the pits, first first lap of the day, 
and you try and turn in to turn the first corner and it will just go straight on with with nothing and then a few laps later you can feel the grip and it's it's all changed but these guys are operating at a different level and I saw the onboard of the the uh, restart um from um Valtteri's car and he just falls just falling further and further and further back just hasn't switched the tires on there's no pace he's got no traction and everyone's just driving around him he's not necessarily still but you can just see he's got no no pace and once you start getting solid up by the pack you know one car comes past and the other one sees the opportunity and you've just lost that momentum and it kind of snowballs out of control so some big big questions um i think from Valtteri's perspective you know it's not looking too hot for next year if you're trying to deliver performances to convince the team to keep you um and you can't finish in the points on a day your teammate could have won the race that's not what they need because we know from Red Bull's perspective they signed Cheke because you cannot fight for championship with one one guy at the front and one guy not scoring points or not featuring at the front so um you know maybe it'll reset maybe we'll get back to the normal tracks like Paul Ricard and Austria and Silverstone and Valtteri will get up there and high, as high energy comes back it'll be a different thing so maybe we just had just had a blip and maybe Monaco showed that you know there are times Valtteri can be comfortable and times Lewis isn't comfortable and it switches around but it's also typical of Valtteri's luck that he has the the 36 hour tyre change uh, on a weekend when he's battling for a podium not when he's struggling to finish in the points it makes it so much more painful I guess to witness because he should be up there battling and it was a race where we saw Red Bull having both their drivers up there and as we know when Max and Lewis have days where they fall off that is the point where the other drivers can capitalize and really bag the points and the fact that Valtteri was absolutely nowhere to be seen is pretty shocking and I mean if you're Mercedes at this point you're now trailing behind 26 points from Red Bull it's not something that you're going to want to have and if you were them right now, you've just said, John, looking at next year, it's not looking too great. Do you think that this is a point where they're going to be getting a bit worried and a bit concerned about that second seat and they're going to actually be really considering that other options? Or do you think that, you know, they'll give it more time, it's just a blip? Or do you think that actually now things are really heating up and they're going to have to really reconsider? I think their main worry now is actually the World Championship. Um, I spoke to Toto tonight. I've never seen him so down and depressed and angry and upset about where things were going. Uh, he said Mercedes' form in the last two races was unacceptable, you know, not quick enough, too many mistakes, uh, operationally not strong enough, not producing the form they need to, haven't been on their A game. He said it needs to needs to change, needs to turn around um, for French Grand Prix. He says the work starts. He says as soon as this media call's finished, the work starts in addressing our problems um, and all that. So I don't think, I mean, the Valtteri issue isn't something that is anywhere near the top of their list they need to get this car back on the pace they need to stop making um stop throwing any opportunities away be it lewis hitting the wrong button be it slow pit stops um be it not switching tires on be it having poor practice sessions um i think that is their priority right now the driver thing can wait till the summer but i think it will be more more a concern and issue for valtteri than it will be for the team right now because um they've got much bigger issues to issues to stress about yeah i think that there's going to be some very difficult and honest conversations going on at mercedes after these last two races because they really were not on the form that we're used to seeing them on they did such a good job yesterday they like getting lewis up mm-hmm. there when it looked like it was so so far off the pace 
Um, and they managed to do all the simulations back at Brackley and Brixworth. They brought it. They got Hamilton to P2. Obviously, the the magic button mistake is a bit of a freak occurrence. It's not anything down to not having the pace, not being up there. It was it was mis- a misfortune. But having Bottas back there meant that mm-hmm. when these freak occurrences do happen, he wasn't there to bring home something. You know, like something to keep the points coming in because when the pack is as close as it is this season, you know, Valtteri could get away with certain misfortunes and things last season and the seasons before because Mercedes were just so dominant. They're not this season. So it really shows you up when you're having these struggles and you're having these niggles and you're not able to keep bringing it and you're not able to keep, you know, finding the answers. When... You've got Charles Leclerc, you've got Pierre Gasly, you've got Max Verstappen, you've got Checo Perez. Like you've got all these drivers that are hungry for the for the things that kind of came very easily to you because you're in a more dominant car. So as John said, like they need Valtteri up there. They need him there at the very least scoring some points after what is, as, as John said, a hugely disappointing weekend for the team. Um and if you're not you're not there, then it's, it makes the whole thing so much more stressful. So obviously this season has been such a mixed bag for him. There have been misfortunes and there have been, you know, instances where it's like, well, you know, why can't you find the pace when I mean, his teammate is Lewis Hamilton, right? Like you do have to give him that. His teammate is the best Formula One driver that's ever been statistically. So that is, that's a tough, that's a tough gig. But you're a Formula One driver and you're deserving of a Mercedes seat. You've been there, you've been there for, you know, a good, a good chunk of seasons now. It's just, it's starting, it'll start to become slightly more and more unforgivable, I think. Um, But as John said, like Mercedes aren't a Red Bull. They're not going to, you know, look to swap drivers uh, at at this point, you know, mid season or whatever, but decisions will, will start to have to be made, but potentially not right now. Now, before we actually get to our podium, we are delighted to share that we have our first sponsor of the Autosport podcast for the new season. We want to thank the team at Curve for supporting the show. I don't know about you guys, but I don't carry cash anymore. Everything I have is on card, but then my purse fills up with all the different cards I have from different accounts, all my loyalty cards, etc. And that is why Curve is such a great idea. You can literally combine your whole purse or wallet into one app, one card, and one pin number two. And you don't even need to worry about all your different bank accounts having their own apps. Curve brings them all into one place so that you can see all of your balances within that one app. And as if that isn't enough, the cashback feature is brilliant because you can buy the things that you normally would, but you will be rewarded for that. And thinking about it, the Curve app would actually be perfect for anyone in Formula One, all the teams who are traveling all the time, and for all you F1 fans when we're allowed back to races. You can book your flights, hotels, get your Ubers to the circuit, and track all of your spending whilst earning cash back. John, you would normally be traveling to all the Grand Prix throughout the year. I bet your wallet just fills up with receipts for travel, food expenses, and everything like that, right? Uh, It's not just my wallet. My entire bag fills up with receipts. So I always find it really difficult, especially in you do three or four flyaway races, and then you come back, and then you've got cards everywhere and receipts everywhere. I am a complete shambles and a mess. 
Well, Curve can help you sort all of this. Exactly. Curve helps you track all of your receipts. So you won't need to worry about any of that, John. The basic card is totally free. And because they're our sponsor, we have a special gift just for you. Make your first purchase. It can be as small as 1p and you get £5 cash back. Just go to curve.com forward slash auto and you'll be helping this show. Now, let's continue with our podium. Completely unexpected. Checo Perez, what an absolutely fantastic day for him. He qualified seventh, started P6, ending up on the top spot. Now, from the first lap, he was making up places, but then he was under pressure from Lewis for a big chunk of the race, but he didn't crumble, did he? And that's exactly what Red Bull wants from their second driver. Completely. Um, this was exactly the, today was exactly the job that um, Sergio Perez was hired by Red Bull to do that they've needed and they've lacked for so long um, a rear gunner to max and Sergio did it I think even more brilliantly than it appeared on track because we didn't know um, he was losing hydraulic pressure during most of that race Um, the team was really really worried uh, he wasn't going to even make it to the finish so huge concerns over that front and obviously when when Max went out I mean you could sense the stress on the the Red Bull pit wall because not only could they sense um, Max isn't there but the concern equally was that Sergio wasn't going to finish the race and you know here's an open goal for Lewis and Mercedes to take 25 points that five laps from the end would have looked almost impossible um, but Red Bull managed it brilliantly I think they switched on I think if you look back at the race replay they switched on Sergio's uh, engine after the restart at the last possible moment um, just to you know in case those extra 20, 30 seconds of engine running would, would be the difference between finishing and not finishing. So, yeah, great job by Checo. I'm really happy for him. Um, I think it's good when we see, you know, drivers delivering on this potential. We've always, we saw last year what, what Checo could do. Uh, and I think he said it all tonight, Christian Horner said Checo's actually doing better than they expected. So uh, onwards and upwards. I also don't think anyone would have expected Vettel to be standing on that second spot. I mean, I certainly wouldn't have, but he put in a fantastic drive today. Great overtakes to get past Gasly, to get past Leclerc. And he really just looked in control of his drive for the whole day. And ultimately, it more than paid off, didn't it? Yeah, he just, he nailed that first stint. That his tyre management was was incredible. Um, and that gave him track position, which around Baku is so critical. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, the fact that he was leading the race for about, I think it was five laps in the end, you know, it, it was kind of one of those, like, what year is it kind of thing, yeah. seeing Vettel up in, in P1, which was, obviously, I know the fans went crazy when they, uh, when they were seeing that. But, yeah, it was just, you know, this is the Vettel we're used to seeing. It was elbows out. It was, it was proper, proper racing. Um, and he did, a, he did a fab job, and I'm so, so glad. I mean, P2 is amazing. P3 would have been stellar um but the fact that he ended up on that second second spot and up there with Checo I mean as you said the podium today is just it's just a brilliant wholesome podium and I know we don't just want podiums that make everyone feel good but every single one of those drivers on that podium fully deserved to be there Uh, and it wasn't just a case of like a a race to the a race to the line uh kind of procession so yeah absolutely top job by Vettel it's also one of those one of those rare occasions where qualifying 11th proved to be the proved to be a benefit because we see it so many times in the past a driver qualifies 11th and says that's fantastic I get free tyre choice I can do something different then it doesn't quite 
pan out that way. But he took the same same compound soft tyre as um, those ahead. But those extra few laps allied to some excellent tyre management. Many could extend that first stint, um, which then put him on softer tyres for the, or sorry, newer um, hards for the second stint. And then having been knocked out in Q2, he also had a um, spare set of new softs for the restart. So he's one of those classic things where if you plot his weekend, some of the disappointment from earlier in the weekend actually helped trigger um, the fantastic result on the Sunday. It definitely was a wholesome podium, as you said, Jess, with Pierre Gasly taking up that final spot. Now, he had a really strong performance this weekend. As we saw yesterday in qualifying and also through the free practices, he was able to just take bring it out of the car. But he's just proving really that despite all of the kerfuffle he had with Red Bull, where he got demoted, obviously, it was a very difficult situation, that actually he's an incredible driver and he's really earning him his spot in Alpha Tauri and making himself a, such a strong lead driver in that team, isn't he? It's a shame he didn't get on at Red Bull. Um, but, you know, we've seen when he was at Toro Rosso, he had really strong performances and now he's back at the team. Now it's Alpha Tauri we're seeing strong performances again. So it just goes to show that when you've got the right environment, the right car, um, and you feel comfortable, that you can pull really great performances out. Um, and, you know, it, it, he did look strong all weekend. Um, and I'm sure John and I are going to talk about this later when we got on our Instagram Live, but I did predict Gasly on the podium today because Baku's one of those tracks... <laughs> I might have done. Oh, I might have also. I might have also predicted a Verstappen DNF, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember that. Um, <laughs> but do I? But do I get double points for um, talking about the magic button? Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll do that. Um, but yeah, I think you know. It, this is one of those tracks where we can get these podiums. We can have drivers that take every opportunity that comes their way as long as they can show real strength. And Gasly, again, just had elbows out. And I'm sure as John's going to come on to in a bit more detail uh, uh, in a sec, he was actually running with engine problems, which is just like, inc- that's incredible in its in itself. So yeah, another, another stellar drive from Gasly. But John, what was going on with his engine today? Just down on power. So they were battling some some problem. Don't know, the, don't know the technical details of it, but he said the team was telling him to change switches just to try and get it down. So he had a lack of straight line speed. So Because we heard on the team radio um, during the race after Vettel got past him, and he deeply unhappy, said it wasn't, wasn't fair, wasn't correct, or he couldn't believe it. I can't remember what the exact phraseology was, but it seemed a bit of a strange comment to make, but then it made sense uh, when you understand that he was upset about just the engine being down on power. So I think, um, you know, having come through that, having known that at the restart, he was exposed to cars behind him, uh, you know, he predicted Leclerc would overtake him, which he did, but, you know, he planned it, got back in the slipstream then said some mega, mega late, late moves. I think he didn't want to lose this, lose this opportunity for podium. They don't come that often in Formula One and you know he's had his first place at Monza last year he'd had a second place at Brazil a few years ago and now he's got a third place he's had every every position uh, on the podium and I think it's, think it's good because we've seen flashes of speed from that Alfa Tori this season but there hasn't been a, a consistent weekend they've been quick on Fridays some weekends they've been quick on Fridays and on Saturday and it's not come together on Sunday but finally they've had a, a weekend to deliver and I think just probably made a little bit sweeter by the fact that, you know, they've battled problems and still finished third. So I think it's a good, good booster for the races to come. 
Definitely is. And yeah, another brilliant showing from Pierre. What did you make of Yuki Tsunoda's drive today? He finished P7. But what did you think of his performance today? Better. I think he's had a weekend where, um, you know, he's not had the, the sensational headline grabbing moments, either the, you know, the, the, the brilliant pace we saw in Bahrain or the terrible shunts that we saw in um, uh, Imola. Um, where he's thrown things away. So I think it's been a much calmer weekend from him, just more consistency, which is probably what he mm-hmm. needs. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if it is is this kind of result that Alpha Tori Red Bull felt after Monaco, where he'd crashed in FP2, that it was time for reset. It wasn't working. Um, too hot-headed. Um, things just weren't working, weren't gelling as well as they should be. So he was told to move to Italy. So he moves into Italy. He's on this, this kind of schedule of gym, ses- gym sessions and engineering meetings and then he gets a certain time for lunch then English lessons then more engineering meetings and then back to the gym and then after that Franz Toss says he should go to bed <laughs> so um I think he hasn't had hasn't had much fun with this regime but uh I think if, it's, if it helps him fast track his progress if it helps him deliver more results then the pain of the pain of you know a bit of a a boring life in Italy for a few weeks or months will be worth it in the end if he can deliver the results and um, maybe Franz Tost will let him out for some um, these special uh, apricot donuts or whatever they are that they um, they eat in Austria. Well, he likes his food, doesn't he, Yuki? That's what he says. He does. He loves his food. Yeah, his highlight of being in F1. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think John's right. He just it was this is a this was just a race result, especially given how you know chaotic it got. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack. It was just kind of one of those steady results that he needed. And I know he'll he'll definitely be upset that his teammates on the podium, but it's just one that he needed under his belt. You know, he'd had the off in qualifying, which which fortunately wasn't too costly. Um, but he just needed a you just needed a calm weekend, a steady weekend, bring home some points, um, and uh, yeah, keep a level keep a level head. But um, yeah, hope hopefully there's more of this to come because he did he did get off to a bit of a hot start to the season um so yeah Mm -hmm. needed needed one to rein him in a little bit I think they've managed to bring home solid points for the team now Alpha Tauri are sitting on 39 points ahead of Aston Martin and Alpine of course both of those teams lost out today on points because Stroll had his accident and couldn't finish and then also Esteban Ocon retired at the end of lap four due to a loss of power John, do we know anything more about the reason behind that retirement? No, not not. I saw a very brief message from Alpine. We on we on a little WhatsApp chat thing. Just said loss of power, but I haven't seen any latest um, update. And unfortunately, because of the red flag and the delays, um, Alpine cancelled all their post session chats with the drivers tonight. So we haven't spoken mm. to them. So I'm afraid. Uh, I can't offer any extra insight on that one. I saw lots of people rushing off to make their flights on the Sky <laughs> coverage after, so I think those disruptions really uh, threw everyone off there. But Fernando Alonso came home at P6, but it wasn't all smooth sailing because he did fall out of the points at one point earlier in the race. But how did he manage to turn that around today? Tyres, basically. Tyres and a bit of the a bit like Gasly getting his elbows out at the end. Um, so the team... I mean, it hasn't been the super strongest weekend for Alpine. Um, it's been all right. They tended to struggle. They struggled a little bit in Monaco, low energy circuit, and, and had a more difficult time here. Obviously, didn't come with Esteban. Um, and it looked like Alonso was probably going to finish 10th, 11th. There just wasn't the, the pace there in the car. But um, 
I think the the final two lap sprint um, just brought out the best in Fernando. He said, you know, it was it was uh, so refreshing to see drivers just a going for it, b not having to worry about tire degradation, um, c just battling and pushing each other and all that sort of thing. So it was Alonso back in the Formula One he loves because I think he's not someone who's particularly keen on a F1 with heavy cars where you're fuel saving and managing tyre degradation and keeping the tyres in the right temperature window and cruising around. That's not... Fernando likes to be flat out on the limit, pushing to the max, going wheel to wheel with people. Uh, and that's exactly what he got for those two laps. Uh, and he pulled it off brilliantly. Yeah, we, it seems like he's he might be a fan of sprint races come Silverstone. Uh, yeah, did it get you guys excited for sprint races? That little couple of laps we were treated to? I think I'll be intrigued to see if... Because um, what was what was good today was it was the the prospect of the restart and the fact it was was a sh- short race and wasn't going to be any longer. But would would a twelve lap race at the end there have been any better than two laps? I think this is the this is the issue. And then so does it become a twelve lap procession? Then I mean, are people because I mean for Gasly for example, Gasly and Leclerc they probably wouldn't have been so as aggressive with with each other knowing there were twelve laps to go and. Um, you know, Lewis, the, the, the Lewis jeopardy was caused by the fact that that one mistake put him out. He was out and at the back and wasn't going to come back in two laps. So um, while it is good, I do wonder if, it, you know, the 12 lap sprint race may may be a bit more processional because drivers aren't aren't going to want to take risks because of the, the prospect of falling down the order for Sunday. Yeah, and I think as well with the, as John kind of, hinted at there the 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 jeopardy of Hamilton like Hamilton wanted to maximize on the fact that Max to borrow a pun there um that Max wasn't there um so I think you know he as although he came on the radio as we've touched on already and saying it's a marathon not a sprint he wanted to take the advantage of the fact that Max wasn't there and if he could take full points home then that would be epic so would there be that with sprint races I guess it would depend on where they fell in the in the season but I think John's right I think what we saw today was was very much in isolation, given everything else that was going on, um, and the the fact that it was it was essentially a you know a continuation of well it was a continuation of the race that we'd already seen before. So, yeah, um, probably can't quite call those last two laps a sprint race preview, um, but it was fun nonetheless. As John said, it was fun to see drivers just you know Going go for it. For it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was it was entertaining for sure. Yeah, it definitely was. And I want to move on to the Ferraris next. Of course, Charles started on pole position day, even though we haven't really spoken much about him and we haven't heard much from him since because of all the drama that unfolded. We didn't really expect him to necessarily be able to hold on to that P1 position throughout the race with Lewis and Max behind. He ended up P4 today, losing out to Gasly and Vettel. Do you think that he could have got any more from today or do you think that he did absolutely everything he could have and P4 was the best that he could have brought home? Uh, I think it's one of those where he probably probably felt that there was a podium finish in there. Um, obviously, we did mention earlier the tree branch incident, which allowed mm-hmm. just allowed Lewis to get into, into the DRS range and get past him. So I think potentially there, there was an opportunity for Charles to have stayed in front um, a little bit longer. Um and then obviously they got suckered into the um, the undercut not working today, really. Um, we saw Ferrari went for it and we saw Lewis 
go for it. And actually, the overcut turned out to be the better route um, today. So the performance just wasn't there. People people being able to switch the hards on quick enough. Um, and we know the Ferrari um, is good at switching. We've seen from Monaco and we saw from here, it seems to be a brilliant car at switching the soft tyres on. Um, just able mm-hmm. to get it into a window. I think that's been key to the pole positions in Monaco and the pole position here, that um, it comes alive on this soft compound tyre they've they've had here, which then becomes a problem on the hard. Um, we know sometimes they suffer with tyre degradation as well. So I think, you know, I think the result will be all right for him and they'll be you know, delighted they've had a pole position and shown the pace to be battling at the front because, you know, it was great those early laps seeing a Mercedes versus a Ferrari versus a Red Bull. This is what we want to see in Formula 1 three teams, you know, going for it lap after lap like that. But I think he probably will be annoyed there wasn't a podium at the end of that, especially with Max and Lewis having gone out. Yeah, and teammate Carlos Sainz, he started P5 but finished eighth today. We saw him locking up and going down the escape road. I'm imagining that he also won't be too happy with how things wound up today and would have felt that there was definitely more that he could have got from it, like we said, given the fact even more so that Hamilton and Verstappen were out of the race by the end or out of contention for the top spots. Yeah, it's a track where you get punished for it. Uh, and I think that's what Formula One tracks should be like. Um, you shouldn't be able to lock up and run slightly wide and lose one second and um, it's all hunky-dory and you carry on. Uh, we saw in qualifying, you know, people making a mistake, you're in the barriers. Uh, we saw in the race today, if you lock up, um, you know, you're down an escape road, you lose plenty of time and then you're stuck in the pack. So um, I think Carlos will be annoyed, but he's someone who's, you know, showed in Monaco what he can do on the, the good days. Um, I think the Ferraris, you know, struggled to switch those hard tyres on, um, which manifested itself in the lockup. Um, he'll learn from it and I think he'll accept well he did accept it was his mistake he's the only one to, to take the blame for what happened um, they move on to move on to France and I think it will be an interesting weekend to see back on a normal track with some high speed corners just what can this Ferrari do have we seen a, a genuine step forward from the team or have we just seen the last two races that the Ferrari is a car that can switch on soft tyres for qualifying Ferrari are, of course, in a battle with McLaren for third place in the Constructors' Championship. They're two points ahead after today, but let's talk about the McLarens. Lando finishing P5. He had a pretty rough start today. He dropped down to P12 at one point, but then he managed to put in a solid recovery drive and he particularly bounced back after that final restart, claiming another two places to come home fifth. What did you make of his performance and also of his teammate Daniel? I'm always really impressed by how much of a recovery Lando Norris can 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 pull out of the bag um it yeah. seems that even if he you know has a disappointing qualifying like we saw yesterday with his penalty um or if he does qualify outright lower than he was expecting or wanting he seems to be able to make up a ton of positions like regardless of where he's racing which is is such a obviously obviously a massive strong trait to have um given that he's a racing driver <laughs> and that's kind of his job but um he is he's, he had a, he didn't have a very great start he 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 kind of fell mm-hmm. foul of of positioning into turn 1 which meant that he dropped back quite a bit so had a bit of a bit of a harder time to you know he got he got um, overtaken by his teammate straight away and then had to kind of battle his way back up but yeah he's 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 really good. I think, you know, he's got a really good setup with his team, obviously. They they pull out really good strategies for him, but he also delivers. And I think 
um, again, like he seemed he seemed happy post race, but he thought that there was another podium on the cards. And it's it's great that we've got this kind of group of drivers who are all kind of very, um, you know, they're they're all in the battle for that kind of P three position. Um, that they're there to either optimize when there's uh, an incident ahead of them, and they can they can kind of take take a take the most out of opportunities when they're delivered but also just on outright pace that they could be they can be there um and I think you know Lando's Lando is one of them um so I was again like I'm just I'm always impressed by by Lando and even though you know it was a it was a p5 you know coming back from coming from p9 is a is a a strong result even if as you said it was also kind of handed based on other people's misfortunes as well but no, I thought it was a good race from Lando. And what about Daniel? Better weekend from him, I think, considering the the kind of dark place he was in in Portugal and in Monaco, where just completely baffled by the lack of pace. Um, I think he'll come away just feeling there there are some signs of progress now that um, you know that he's getting on top of this car. He's trying to understand the the intricacies of intricacies of it. And I think we've seen a seen a weekend where. You know, we saw all these crashes in qualifying, all very, very similar. Drivers misjudging, braking, carrying too much speed into the apex and then hitting the barriers on the way out. Um, I spoke to Esteban Ocon about it last on Saturday night and said, why why so many crashes this weekend? He said, it's just the way these F1 cars have developed that you know everyone's chasing the maximum gains under braking. It's become a big performance differentiator between the teams. If you can nail the braking, uh, then you get a big advantage over other teams where things are perhaps more equal in medium speed corners and high speed corners and um there's not much time to gain so um so the fact that this is an you know breaking is an area where daniel's been so strong in formula one um it's where he's had an edge on other people and if it's the area he's struggled most with the mclaren you kind of half understand then why why he's not we haven't seen the the best of daniel and daniel at his peak because the one area that he should be the strongest is actually the area he's struggling with so but he said a sim session last week had helped him. Uh, he's starting to get more and more about what he needs to do to adapt and get up there. So I don't think it's going to be a um, an overnight switch, and we get to we get to France, and you know he's matching Lando immediately. But I think we're seeing seeing signs of progress, and things may be better. In I mean, Paul Ricard doesn't have super hard braking characteristics like we see in Monaco, like we see here in Baku. Um, you know, it's more kind of transitions between medium speed and high speed. Um, even the chicane on the, the back straight there's not not that slow. So there's not, there's not the super heavy braking um, demands we've, we've seen at recent tracks. Um, so maybe we'll see, you know, a bit of a step forward from Daniel there. I'm looking forward to the day where he is back on his top form and he does manage to find his way with that car because... I do love seeing Daniel on top form. Behind him today were the Alfa Romeos of Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi. Now, in the mix of all the drama today, we didn't actually see too much of these guys, but Antonio started last. So to come home P11 in that Alfa is actually a pretty solid result for him. And he put in a strong recovery drive today, didn't he? Yeah, he's good. I think Antonio's had one of these seasons where he's been under the radar a little bit in terms of there being no massive standout headline grabbing performance but it's been a really strong season um you know at qualified mm-hmm. Kimi more often than not um has been there or thereabouts in the in the races um to come from last and nearly finishing the points today just steady progress that shows the, the flashes of the speed which is why Ferrari you know took him onto their young driver program 
Um, we saw it in uh, GP2, F2. I can't remember what, what it was called when he was racing there. My memory is utterly terrible. But, um, you know, we, we see he has the potential. He's been very unlucky. He was a bit tarnished in those early F1 races where he had some kind of big incidents um, after that strong start he had in Australia. But he's, he's coming on, he's moving forwards. And if Alfa Romeo can just nudge that, that pace, that car a bit more, um, it should be a regular point scorer. I'm sure he was gutted yesterday after um, having to wind, having to start last today. Um, so it was good that he was able to make them space, make them places back up, especially on that opening lap where he managed to get ahead of a number of cars, um, which was brilliant to see. Now, the Hasses of Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazpin finished P13 and P14. We did see Mick being released from the pit and wheeled back in due to his front left not being fitted properly. But then on the last lap, we also saw an understandably very annoyed Mick. This wasn't shown on the world feed, but there is a clip that is now going round, making its rounds on socials, um, after he had to avoid contact with Nikita. And I guess this is just another instance of drivers feeling that Mazpin is not driving particularly safely and putting other drivers at risk. Do we think that it's getting to a point now where actually this, you know, is getting a bit out of hand and needs to be taken a closer look into because it seems to be happening pretty much in almost every session that we're seeing other drivers are complaining about whether it's him driving unsafely, him not moving out of the way, whatever it might be. What are your takes on this? I think that the difficulty now is that it's becoming such a regular occurrence that he's, he's kind of been on the verge of a crashes an instance so often that we're only one tiny millimetre or split second decision away from quite a big shunt. Um, mm-hmm. So I think... You know, if I was Gunter Steiner, I would be sitting Nikita down and saying, look, we we understand you are an aggressive driver. We understand you're doing the best you can. But at some points you have to be sensible and you have to kind of give way and, and steer out of these problems. Because the other thing is that, you know, he could be involved in an accident at some point that's not his fault. But, you know, the, the blame game will be on him because he's always in the spotlight of holding people up or being in the way or nearly causing incidents. So... Um, today he claimed was a misunderstanding caused by the fact his battery had run out of power so he slowed suddenly so that, that kind of handed handed the opportunity there for, for Mick to get past and he closed the door but I do think that if you um, if you're involved in a number of close calls with drivers and upsetting them then probably the time has come for you to change your approach mm-hmm. yeah I think Jess, what just do you think? The, the incident today in isolation was just quite terrifying like the 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 narrow margin where Mick was nearly sent into orbit um from from the move but I guess you know we've we've seen dangerous moves down the Baku Strait before you know to the point where we've actually said is the Baku Strait dangerous and should it even be um should it be changed or or have a have a a slight chicane put in to kind of slow uh, slow it down and not have uh, the high speeds that we're seeing down there but it's just a place where you can't you, like weaving like that you can't it, it can't be done because it will cause a colossal accident should should something go wrong so I think it's uh, it's one of those things where you, it wasn't it wasn't shown there was no look into it because um, there was no there was felt no need to kind of for the stewards to, to, to take a look at it but as John said you know stuff like that will add to everybody's perception of you as a driver 
um and you know we 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 saw it a little bit um in the in the F2 race with 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 Dan Tictum um you know everybody was very quick to blame him for the the incident that was uh, in the feature race today and there was lots of his team radio being played and lots of people on Twitter talking about that and it's because there's a reputation now that follows him about him being hot-headed and and and, and that is hard to shake and whilst obviously we would say everything is meant to be judged fairly um and it's it's a case of one when you start to get in the Keita's case a lot of evidence piling up against you of you being a dangerous driver it will come back to bite you um and we just have to hope that it it doesn't cause a a, a huge incident or you know have someone get seriously injured for for those mistakes so yeah i think john's right i think he i think gunter needs to kind of have a word and uh, and kind of have a bit of a maybe he needs to go um, with Yuki to to Italy and just get locked away somewhere and um, <laughs> I was about and to have say a bit that. of a, have a bit of a calm down <laughs> session. But yeah, it's not what we it's not what you want to see. Um, it, it, it's kind of heart and mouth um, moments that you know I'm quite glad wasn't on the world feed. But yeah, not very not very good. As much as you know. He can provide explanations as to why it happens on all of these instances. It's dangerous. And like we've said, we're one move away from it ending badly. And it's not really a risk that we can afford to be taking when drivers are driving at these speeds and around tracks like this. So I do hope that something something happens to make him be slightly more conscious of his driving and a bit more wary. Now, finally, we have Williams. George Russell finished 17th. He actually didn't make it back out to the final restart because he lost drive approaching the grid, I believe. And Nicholas Latifi was penalised for a red flag infringement. Can you talk us through that? We heard the radio and it was quite confusing because we heard him being told, stay out, stay out. But they didn't actually mean stay out did they they meant stay out within the pit lane i assume i mean it was just very confusing can you talk us through what happened there because it seems to be quite quite a shame for nicholas because it wasn't really his error as such it was poor communication yeah i think just just choice of words really from the from the race team that um so the team said stay out because the, the red flag had come out and drivers were told to reassemble in the pit lane um so when you come into the pit lane you know, the team will think, uh, you know, come into the pits. And then what you don't want is the driver then to come into your pit to stop at the garage. The idea is you, you form up in the um, uh, fast lane. So from the team's perspective, you can understand the message. Stay out, stay out means when you come into the pits, don't come into our pit, stay out and wait in the fast lane. But the choice of words and for Latifi, he thought the message was stay out, stay out of the pits. So he went past the... The pit lane. So it's one of those that poor choice of words, not as clear an explanation. You know, the engineer, you know, it was logical to say stay out because you'd automatically think the driver was coming into the pit. So would know what it means. But um, as we saw with Lando yesterday, you know, these tiny communication issues and stuff in the heat at the moment can um, throw things around. So, yeah, I think annoying from from both perspectives. And I'll just jot it down to experience and say, you know, in future we'll have we'll use a different message. So. Um, you know, it will just be, you know, into, into pit lane, but stay in fast lane or form up at end of pit lane or something like that. So just yeah. make the message clearer. Irritating for today, but definitely something that they can, it's a quick fix. They can learn from it and it can not happen again, which is, 
which is what matters looking forward. Now, reflecting on today, guys, of course, nothing has really changed at the top of the Drivers' Championship, but what do you think today's race means for both Red Bull and Mercedes going forward? And how are you expecting the next couple of races to play out? As you said, we're going back onto some of the more traditional um, type circuits. How are you expecting things to now unfold going forward? I think it's highlighted that this is a championship that's not going to be decided on car performance. That I think no matter how much you have a faster car, it's still going to boil down to operational factors, the element of luck, um, drivers not making mistakes. That this goes, this is a championship now that's not just down to who can have the fastest development potential. I think neither Red Bull nor Mercedes are in a position where they can develop the car to a point where they're comfortably clear in front and they can rock up, get a one-two, um, you know, minimal effort and disappear and go on to the next one. So I think they. They both know they're in a really, really intense championship fight and they are powerless to stop events like punctures or drivers hitting the wrong button uh, or incidents or all these other factors coming around, which then highlights the need to, you need to maximise every opportunity you can get. That There are now going to be no guarantees of points anywhere that, you know, Max Verstappen leading a Red Bull 1-2 with five laps to go. Uh you would think, you know, would nail on your points, but nothing is guaranteed anymore. Um, so I think you're going to see an increased attentiveness from both teams to maximise opportunities and the disappointments when they mess up now are going to get greater and greater as this championship rolls out. Yeah, I think I think I agree with, yes. with, with John. I mean, it's, it's really exciting. I love the fact that we're going into each weekend not really knowing who is the front runner and what is going to happen. And the fact that we are having to see Mercedes dig deep and find, you know, the answers. And it's amazing when they do. Like, as I said, the fact that they got Hamilton up to P2 yesterday in qualifying just shows how strong they are as a, as a team. And obviously they're going to walk away from this weekend massively disappointed. But it's exciting to see just how elite they are as a team and also how how strong Red Bull are and also the fact that you know I know for it wasn't Ferrari's day today but they're there and they're up there and they're in the mix which causes upset to the other two teams that are kind of really in the in the hot seat for the championship this year and it's going to be things like that that cause these um these unexpected results and 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 the fact that it's going to hopefully keep the championship alive down to the wire at least I keep hoping that it will and we're not going to have a have a runaway come the come after the mm-hmm. summer the summer break which is sometimes what happens but I, I, yeah it's 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 really entertaining to watch I think it's you know if there are new fans out there it's going to give them stuff to really get their teeth into in terms of what Formula One is all about. Um, uh, and I think it can it will help the naysayers that say it's got boring and that Mercedes and Hamilton just win because that's not been the case this season um, and it's anybody's to play for and we're at another position where it's Red Bull that are in the it's advantage Red Bull right now and that's that's great I mean we've got some circuits coming up where we might expect Mercedes to be a bit more together but you know anything can happen this season and it's and it's it's great to see it's really entertaining to see I hope it goes down to the wire as well I can't wait to see it all unfold this season 
Unfortunately, that is all we have time for. An hour just isn't enough to unpack everything that happened in today's race. But thank you both for joining me this evening. Thank you to everyone who is listening as well. If you head over to Autosport Plus right now, here are a few of the brilliant articles that you can read. Alex Kalinorkas has written a fab piece on why George Russell is ready to fight for F1 titles. Roddy Basso has penned an article on why F1 shouldn't be too rigid on flexi wings. And Matt Q discussed how Extreme E's Senegal round hints at the series' true potential. New subscribers who sign up today can use the promo code PODCAST during checkout to save 50% off their first payment. Go to autosport.com forward slash plus, click sign in at the top of the page and use that promo code PODCAST to get yourself 50% off. And that is all from us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. And until then, look after yourselves. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text CLAY to 203203. Text CLAY to 203203. Or go to bosley.com. That's bosley.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.